Church. We're so glad you found your way to us on Facebook Live or Instagram Live, and we have a very few people here in our sanctuary this morning, and I'm so grateful. If you're a visitor here at Selwyn Avenue, we're especially glad you're here. If you'd like to learn more about what it means to belong here at Selwyn, I invite you to reach out to me. You can find um, my email or Margot or Lisa's on our website. We'll be glad to share more information with you about this congregation. If you struggle with technology or you, if you've been waiting for our email to go out this morning, uh, thank you for your patience. I think we've got it worked out now, but be sure to always go back to our website where you'll find this, this uh, worship service recorded and you can also find us in podcast form there on the website. We continue to give thanks for your stewardship and your giving through this time of COVID-19. We are receiving offerings and tithes through our text to give at 704-734-9818. Here's something that's going on. Tonight at 5 o'clock, we will have an all-Selwyn trivia night. Um, it gets very competitive. I always lose, and it's not too late for you to sign up. Go to our website to sign up, and it only takes about an hour. All ages are invited um, tonight. Um, okay, next week we'll continue to have worship here in the sanctuary through our live stream option, but we're going to try something new in the evening. Next week, the 23rd at 7.30, we will host a uh, live worship service on our lawn. You are invited to bring a mask, a lawn chair, and um, a very good spirit of patience as we try to socially distance but worship together on the lawn uh, next week, the 23rd. If that goes well, we'll continue to worship in the evenings on our lawn at 7.30, but we will also provide worship here every morning like we have been at 10.30. Last but not least, I know many of you are experiencing transitions with children who have gone back to college and some who are transitioning to online or in-person learning next week. We know these transitions are difficult. We have been praying for you and your families, and we ask that you reach out to us if you have particular pastoral care needs. We are here uh, for you all along the way. And now let us prepare our hearts to worship God.
And now as you are able, please rise and join me in the call to worship. I will exalt you, O Lord, because you have lifted me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you, and you restored me to health. Sing praise to the Lord, all you faithful. Give thanks in holy remembrance. You, Lord, with your favor, made me strong as the mountains. You have turned my wailing into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Therefore, my heart sings to you without ceasing. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Amen. Merciful and loving God, you have called us to be your people and claimed us for the service of Jesus Christ. We confess that we have not lived up to our calling to proclaim the good news in word and deed. We are quick to speak when we ought to listen and remain silent when it is time to speak. We put too much faith in our own actions and fail to trust the strength of your spirit. Oh God, forgive our foolish and sinful ways. Strengthen us anew to follow Christ's way in the world. By your Holy Spirit, give us the grace we need to be faithful disciples and the courage to fulfill our calling. Amen. Friends, these words of assurance can be found in the book of Ephesians. By grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Amen.
While Confirmation Sunday is not until next month, it's my privilege to introduce to you all this morning two of our confirmands. I'd like to invite Margaret Harris and Lucy Stark up forward. Both Margaret and Lucy were part of our 19-member confirmation class this past year, and both girls will be off to boarding school in the next few weeks, but thankfully they're not going too far. Margaret will be starting ninth grade at the Asheville School, and Lucy will be starting ninth grade at the Virginia Episcopal School. It's been such a privilege to work with these two young women through confirmation, and I'll definitely miss you girls when you're gone at school. Margaret Harris was baptized on November 21st, 2010. Margaret is the daughter of devote members Charlie and Ellen Harris, and like myself, Margaret is a middle child to big brother Charles and little sister Anne. Margaret is a brilliant thinker. She asks incredibly thoughtful questions. This year, Margaret helped our confirmation class and our session think about God and creation in beautiful and profound ways. Margaret also enjoys art, and if I may say so, she's incredibly talented. Uh, Margaret's mentor this year was Courtney McClellan. Lucy Stark was baptized in September of 2006. Lucy is the daughter of Ducey Stark and PJ Stark and the stepdaughter of Laura Stark. Laura and PJ have been active members at Selwyn since 2014. Lucy also joins Margaret and I in the Middle Child Club. She has an older sister, Emma, and a younger sister, Sutton. Lucy is a faithful and strong woman. At 12 years old, Lucy was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and she overcame that adversity with faith and with grace, and it helped Lucy develop her strong heart for mission. Lucy's been dedicated to raising money and serving as a youth ambassador for the Juvenile Diabetes Research Fund, and we're so proud of you for that. Lucy's mentor this year was Ashley Armistead. This is part. Now it's my pleasure to ask these young women the membership questions. Margaret and Lucy, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and do you proclaim him as your Lord and Savior, do you? Turning in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn away from sin and renounce evil and its power in the world, thus affirming your reliance upon God's grace, do you? By the power of the Holy Spirit, do you promise to actively participate and responsibly in the church's teaching, fellowship, worship, and mission? Do you? And now to the congregation, both near and far. Do you, the members of this church and the broader church of Jesus Christ, continue to pray for, mentor, and guide these confirmands to Jesus Christ and participate in the raising of the entire community's children and youth for the glory of God. Do you? We do. I'd like to now invite our confirmands and new mentors of the church to help lead us all in the Apostles' Creed, if you'll all join with them. I believe, believe in, in God, God the, the Father, Father Almighty, Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. Then the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. To celebrate and honor our confirmands and the commitment that they've made throughout the entire year, I'd like to invite the parents forward and the mentors, if you'll please stand. We invited parents to create stoles for our confirmands, so as you come forward, if you will place those on your confirmand's shoulders so that we might all pray together.
All right, let us pray. Dear Lord, strengthen Lucy and Margaret with your gifts of wisdom, grace, strength, and love. Grant that they may grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. Fill them with the joy of your presence. Increase in them the fruit of your spirit. Help them to experience and trust your dwelling within so that they may count on your guidance today and every day. Remind them that they belong, that they are known, and that they are loved, and that no matter where they go or what they do, nothing can separate them from your love in Christ. Let them feel the love of this church family as they begin a new chapter of life. Reveal to them your plan, your good, perfect, and pleasing will for their lives. We give you honor, glory, and praise. Amen. Lucy and Margaret, congratulations. We're so proud of you. This week, we continue our series uh, of the greatest story ever told. And this week, we move to the New Testament, and our story involves the conversion of Saul. This story is found in the book of Acts, chapter 9, and takes place after Jesus' death and resurrection, as his band of disciples has begun to spread out over the land and share the good news. Let us pray. O Lord, by your Spirit, silence any voice within us but yours. Tell us what we need to hear and show us what we need to do to follow the way of Jesus. Amen. We will be reading Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 20. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any who belonged to the way of Jesus, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? And the reply came, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, because they had heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Taurus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. 
and for several days he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Saul. This isn't King Saul from our earlier story this summer with David in the Old Testament. This is a different Saul. This Saul is a very prominent character in the New Testament. And in fact, after Jesus, he's probably one of the best known and makes frequent appearances in the New Testament. We mostly know him as the Apostle Paul. And later in the book of Acts and throughout the rest of the New Testament, we will only hear him referred to with the Romanized version of his name, the way we know him best, Paul. The Apostle Paul goes on to establish some of the very first new Christian communities and churches, and he's credited for many of the letters found in the New Testament that are written to those very churches. But for today, he's still Saul. And pre-conversion Saul is often thought of in a negative light, and it is deserved in some ways. He's thought to be a religious zealot who is seeking out new followers of Jesus and having them arrested, persecuted, or even killed. And I don't condone these actions by any respect, but the truth is he was doing what he thought was most faithful. Claims of Jesus as Messiah, the Son of God? How dare anyone act in such blasphemous ways against God? Saul is simply enforcing the purity of his tradition. And this story, as it takes place, Saul is on his way to Damascus to seek out and persecute the new Syrian church of believers. In reality, Saul was a community leader. He was well-respected in the temple and political circles. He was educated, law-abiding, and a lifelong person of faith. He was one of God's most devout Jewish scholars of the day. And his arrests and persecution of these Christians was well within the laws of the time. And while his actions seem offensive to us, it was well within his rights defending the faith he had known. Saul was considered an upstanding and law-abiding citizen faithful religious person of his day, just like many of us. Hardworking community leaders, faithful people who hold fast and advocate for their religious and political points of view. We appreciate traditions and ethics and morals among our neighbors. We find comfort and direction in our faith tradition and the ways of the church. And sometimes we cast judgment on those who hold different views and who live out their faith in different ways. I'm guilty as charged. Maybe you are too. And then there's Ananias. Like Saul, he too was a law-abiding, respected, faithful Jewish scholar and leader in the community. But he is one that is counted among the new believers in Damascus. He is part of the way, the followers of Jesus, the new movement. And I imagine it was hard for him to let go of old ways and ideas and embrace new ones. Ananias must have been attuned to the current events throughout the land, for even before Saul arrived, Ananias had heard of this man Saul. And when the voice of the Lord calls to him and tells him to go and find Saul, There in Damascus, Ananias says to the Lord, Here I am, Lord, but I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he's come here with full legal authority to arrest all who call on your name. Ananias knows what is going on and that seeking Saul out will put himself in serious danger. I'm sure that Ananias felt gratitude and excitement about where he had evolved as a person of faith. He hoped to share and spread the good news of the way of the Messiah. 
sometimes it's best just to avoid those people that disagree with you. Those other people, the ones on the other side, you know who I'm talking about. Sometimes it's best to just avoid and ignore them, right? Again, I find myself guilty as charged. Saul and Ananias, clearly on different sides of the divide. And maybe you find yourself relating to one of them more than the other. I find them both admirable in their own way. I love Saul's loyalty to his faith. And I love Ananias's openness to join the new thing that God was doing in Jesus. But an encounter with Jesus changes them both. Jesus has that effect on people. Jesus will stop you in your tracks and blind you with the wonder and depth of God's inescapable love and the tender and rich grace and mercy of God. Jesus will stir up in you a hunger to know more of this love. And then Jesus will feed you with the bread of life and an overflowing cup of living water until you're satisfied. But Jesus will also ask you to do hard things, risky things, things that open the door for others to come into the light, things that make the circle wider and let people in that you may not like, things that will challenge you to reconsider what you think you know, things that will require you to make some changes, to discover and remove the big log in your own eye and then see and help the wounded around you, things that will take courage and grace and repeated attempts. An encounter with Jesus will leave you different from where you began. When I was a child, I used to think this was a simple story. Saul was a bad man, he met Jesus, he became a good man. Well, that's not correct. Maybe it's more like this. Saul was a good and faithful man. He had an encounter with Jesus that changed him. And a fellow disciple named Ananias helped him see things differently. He became a different man, and he continued to grow, and he spent the rest of his life trying to share the good news of his encounter with others. And the truth is, you and I, we are both Saul and Ananias. And when I say we, I mean us as individuals, but I also mean us as the church. Sometimes we are Saul, guided by law and obedience to God. I love rules and expectations. They help me set my way and agenda, and I just start taking care of business. Sometimes the church loves rules too. But sometimes in our desire to be obedient and diligent and faithful, we get caught up in our red tape and comfortable ways. And sometimes we're blinded by our own pride and agendas, even with the best intentions. We get so focused on maintaining the status quo and doing things the right way and following procedures that we become blind and oblivious to the new thing Jesus is doing in our midst. And sometimes we are Ananias, listening, saying, here I am, Lord, and obeying despite our fear and hesitation, embracing new ideas. God is always calling us to act every day. And if we're listening, we sometimes have to reach out and engage the very people we seek to avoid. Those other people on the other side. You see, we actually need each other. 
We're asked to engage in love as Jesus would have, not the way we may want to act. We can't avoid and hide. We can't point out all the ways we are right. We have to listen to what God asks of us and act accordingly. We have to put aside our fears and our judgment and defensive tendencies and reach out with the hope and love of God and then trust God with the rest. God calls us to join in this holy work. We are both Saul and Ananias. We encounter Jesus every day in our neighbors. And our conversion happens a little more every day if we allow it. We get to help each other see. In our Saul moments, God is sending us an Ananias. Will you receive him? If we allow it, we can put aside our pride, embrace vulnerability, and allow others to remove some of the scales from our own eyes. They will leave us with a better vision of the ways of Jesus. And in our Ananias moments, God is sending us to the souls in the world. I hope that we will listen for God's call and direction that will set aside our fear and hesitation and muster up our courage and speak and act boldly in love. I hope we will allow God to work through our words and our actions in our lives so that others might see more clearly through the scales upon their eyes. As we confirmed Margaret and Lucy this morning, we acknowledged their encounter with Jesus and a step in the journey of adult faith that they engaged in this past year. And like Saul, they allowed others to help them see in a new way, and they've chosen to proceed in their Christian discipleship. And like Ananias, they are called to help others see. And as we prepare to ordain Maggie as our youth elder, we acknowledge the call she heard and responded with, here I am, Lord, just like Ananias, to serve this congregation this year so that others might see. But like Saul, she will need fellow disciples to help her see the way. We are both Saul and Ananias, and our conversion continues every day. I hope we will allow others to help us see things differently while we also help others to see. Amen. Friends, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are a variety of services, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in all of us. To each one is given a gift by the Spirit to use it for the common good. Together we are the body of Christ, and individually we are members of it. And though we have many different gifts, together we are called to be the church with a ministry in this world which is led by the risen Christ. The incoming class of elders for the year 2023 was ordained earlier this summer and one particular elder, Maggie Thrasher, was at camp. So this morning we are grateful for our call to ordain and install her and now I invite Maggie Thrasher to join me here at the font. Maggie was baptized and confirmed here at Selwyn Avenue and along with her brothers, parents, and grandparents, she has been a faithful member of this congregation. She is kind-hearted, hospitable, mature, inclusive, and her faith will serve this church well. Ordination is not to be taken lightly. She has been diligent in her preparation. She has studied, she has prayed, and she has been examined by the session. And now she's be being presented here for ordination to serve a one-year term as our youth elder. 
Maggie, that your faith in God and your integrity of purpose may be declared before God. You are required to answer the questions appointed for all who enter the office of ruling elder. So I might ask you to remove your mask, and we'll point this way a little bit, and, and listen to these questions and answer them faithfully. Do you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior, acknowledge him Lord of all and the head of the church, and through him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, do you? Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness of Jesus Christ in the church universal and God's word to you, do you? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in the confessions of our church as authentic by the power of your spirit, develop in her the gifts of ministry. May she have the same mind that was in Christ serving you in the world as long as she will live, for your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Baptized into a common ministry as ambassadors of Christ, called as the priesthood of all believers, entrusted to the message of reconciliation, we pray for the courage and discipline to follow where our elders rightly lead us, that together we may declare your mighty acts and show your love to the world through Jesus Christ, ruler of all. Amen. Now, Maggie, you may stand. In the name of Jesus Christ, the only ruler and head of the church, and by the authority invested in me through the Charlotte Presbytery, I now declare you have been ordained as a ruling elder and admit you to the session of this congregation. Whatever you do in word or action, do everything in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God through him. Amen. We greet you virtually with a hug. As we now enter into a time of offering, let us come together and return to God the gifts of our lives and the offerings of this earth so that they might be used to bring abundant life to others. Our text to give instructions will be placed in the chat this morning, but that number once again is 704-734-9818. Come, let us give our gifts to God.
Would you please pray with me? Great and loving God, our community gathers together, some in person and many in spirit, through the marvels of technology to give thanks together. We know that we have so much to give thanks for. I thank you for the gifts and talents of each of our members. Be with them in spirit so that they may never feel separated from your love. In these strange days, O oh God, we give thanks for medical professionals and staff who work faithfully in hospitals and clinics and nursing homes. We thank you for shopkeepers and clerks and farmers and truck drivers, police officers and firefighters and postal carriers, and all those who show up to keep us going. We pray for our students and teachers as they prepare for in-person and online learning. Thank you for those who care for children in close quarters and all the creativity and patience that they are showing. We come to you with many needs today. Hear our prayers for those who are sick. Ease their suffering and restore them to health. Hear our prayers for those who are grieving, who bury their loved ones without the comfort of funerals or the physical presence of family and friends. Hear our prayers for the unemployed and the business owner, for the hungry. Hear our prayer for children whose routines feel disrupted and who long to play sports and visit playgrounds. As we watch this new school year begin and feel tempted to dwell in our own loneliness and discomfort and frustration, help us that we might reach out to others, being the community that we long to have. Thank you for showing us the new ways to be church. We pray all these things in the name of the one who embodies your promise and enacts, and enacts your call, Christ Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, as you go out in the world today, expect an encounter with Jesus. It's there every day in your neighbors. Be attuned to it, respond to it, and be aware of your blind spots. And go out knowing that you go with the gracious and abundant love of God the Father, the forgiveness and grace of Jesus, and the ever-present companionship of the Holy Spirit. Amen.